Hey, dealmakers, and welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Let's do this. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. This is the show for you. Our guest today is Alvin Hope Johnson, and it's super interesting because he started as a handyman selling like paint jobs door to door repair services. And now he's grown his entrepreneurial skills into 200 million. And what's interesting about him is he's innovating the multifamily space with some pretty cool technology that makes the whole thing more affordable and much more efficient. And we talk about the benefits of, of doing that. And I just, I just love when people think some, about something new in a space that doesn't really have a lot of innovation. And the cool thing about that is he's doing a lot of good in the process because he's able to create more affordable housing. So I love that because he's starting to solve the affordable housing space. So we'll get into that in, the, in a second. Just if you guys are interested in investing passively in real estate syndications, we'd love to have a conversation with you. Our investment firm is Nighthawk Equity. Head on over to nighthawkequity.com. Click the join button to join our investment club. You can have a conversation with us and we'll see if investing with us makes a lot of sense, which of course it does. We'd love the conversation. So it's nighthawkequity.com. Want to shout out to Kenneth Smith, who left us a review on Amazon for our yellow book. He says, the foundation of everything you need to know about escaping the rat race and achieving financial freedom sooner than you'd expect is right here in the book. Cool. That's exactly why I wrote it. Love that. A shout out to one of our mentoring students, uh, Jonathan Nichols. He closed three deals in 2021. And the mass, most recent being a cash flowing class A75 unit in College Station, Texas for 8.6 million. And he quit his uh, W2 job in October. So he receives the freedom coin and he's looking forward to giving back to his community. So that's what I love about this. It opens up your mind to living more of a life of significance, which we're going to talk about on the show today. So congrats, Jonathan, on that important milestone. So with that, let's get our co-host here on the line, Garrett Lynch. What's going on? What's going on, Michael? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the many things you do, Garrett, is you, you're always looking for new opportunities for us. So you're out there talking to brokers and analyzing deals and and figuring out what to, what to do. And what's the market looking right now? Is, is there an opportunity? Or is it time to kind of sit in the sidelines? What do you think? Yeah. So I think the, the majority of the market in general is a lot of it's sidelined, right? And so it's almost comparable to the beginning of COVID or when COVID kind of hit in 2020. And so what you're seeing is a lot of prices right now have retracted as much as 20% maybe even more than that. Now, some people would look at that as, oh, this is scary time. I'm just going to hold tight. I'm going to do nothing. But a lot of a lot of times, it's not the best option, in my opinion, because you have everything on sale for 20% less than what it previous was, previously was just a couple months ago. So you have these big discounts that are coming in. And if you're active, so we're actually, we're selling a deal now. And it was really cool because I was talking to the guy that one of the, the top bidder on the deal. And he's like, you know, this is the time when we come in and we buy at these times because <laughs> everyone else is sidelined at a discount. Garrett, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's stuff out there on sale right now. So that struck a chord with me. I was like, you know what? That's a really cool observation, a really cool way to look at, at this right now. And I really appreciate that you're you're that guy. Like, everyone else is running in a different direction. This guy's going in. So that's that's kind of my thoughts on what's happening right now is 
this is a unique window to take advantage of. Yeah, there's a lot of fear and uncertainty in the market. I mean, we see it across across the board. People are just sitting tight, not doing anything. They're sitting in cash. They're not making any kind of moves. You know, they're not buying. And so whenever that happens, man, I know we got to look for opportunity. The question is, how do you take advantage of it, right? Because you don't want to run there blind. You want to run in there conservatively. And that's what kind of what we're doing right now. There's a lot of, a lot of our peers are basically saying, look, I'm just waiting this one out. Totally fine. Not a problem at all. But, you know, just right after COVID, we did the same thing and we snapped up two deals because everything was kind of wacky, right? Sellers were all over the place. Debt markets were all over the place. There was a lot of uncertainty and we were able to get a deal done. And I think we can get another couple couple out of this this cycle before it stabilizes and, and it will. I mean, we've had interest rates rise so quickly, so much, and it wigs everybody out. Okay, well, they're not going to do that forever. People are going to get used to the new normal and things are going to go back to back to where. So, I mean, if you look at, the prices, I think they peaked in March, right? Would you say pricing? I think February. Yeah. February, March, right? So it peaked up, but it, man, it ran up so rapidly in those three months, right? If you plot the prices, which I haven't done, but if I were, we're still up. It's, it's a more linear line. We just had this giant spike and then it went and came back down 15%, 20%, like you said. But if you draw a line through it, it's still a steady rise up. And it's because of inflation and things of that nature. And then we add value on top of it. And so we're not as dependent on on market rents, things of that nature, because we're forcing appreciation. So, so we're looking for opportunity right now. And I think that's really good advice. And the trick right now is the debt and how you adjust your underwriting to the current market conditions. If you can do those two things, why not do a deal, right? So higher interest rates, fine, update your underwriting. It's not not really a big deal. You know, back in COVID, we had to underwrite now these, these escrows, right? That was new. Well, that put the prices down. Then we couldn't finance part of our construction. Well, Shoot, now we're going to raise more equity, so I can't pay as much. Well, prices go down. The sophisticated sellers see this happening. It's the same environment right now. So you just have to sharpen your pencil, I think, as I like to say. So I hope you guys find that encouraging here just to get out here. Don't sit on the sidelines. Educate yourself. Sharpen your pencil and see what opportunities you can take advantage of. Let's get an interview here with Alvin Hope Johnson. He's been around for a long time, 35 plus years in the real estate, one form or another. But most recently, he's the president of Hope Housing Foundation, an affordable housing company that offers beautiful, well-maintained and safe properties. And what I love about him is, is not only his story, which we get into from handyman to where right now, but how he's able to innovate the multifamily industry, make money in the, and, and also then do good by producing more affordable housing. Love this one. Let's check it out with Alvin Hope Johnson. Alvin, welcome to the show today. Michael, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. So your story starts off you being a handyman, right? And now you have this you know, couple hundred million dollars in real estate. So it catches up to speed a little bit on how you got from that point in life to where you are now. It's probably a, a couple of years it took you to do it. But yeah, t- tell us a little bit more uh, about your journey. Yeah, Michael, man, right out of high school, I started painting houses and I learned how to paint really big houses. And the guy I, went out, the guy I was working for went out of business after a couple of years and I needed to eat. And I started knocking on doors. And because I was so good at painting really nice houses, I paint your house for 200 bucks if you bought the paint. And I knocked on a guy's door one day and his name was James Gonzalez. And he was doing a hotel project in Beaumont, Texas. And he turned me into a big time contractor overnight. And from that situation, I got into doing more real estate. And after doing more real estate, Mike, I got into the mortgage business. The mortgage business led me into more real estate. 
more real estate led me into volunteering for a guy that had 16,000 units of housing of apartments in 2008. I fast forwarded a long time. There were a lot of years between that. I think the biggest breakthrough, Michael, came from supporting somebody else's dream. I helped. I wanted to go learn from my friend. He has 16,000 units. He welcomed me in and he gave me everything that I that I needed for that season of my life to be where I am today. So it's been really good. Yeah, mentors are absolutely key. Um, they the, are key. The biggest, the biggest question normally, you know, how do you find them? How do you talk to them? How do you get them to take you under win? Because it's unusual. It is. Someone with 16,000 units say, hey, Alvin, yeah, okay, sure. Let's yeah, come on in. My, come on in. Let's take up my valuable time. <laughs> how did it come about? I think he really just liked me. He was really that kind of guy with everybody. But I, I'll tell you, I, I met him from an appraiser friend of mine, Michael, and I called him and he met me in Dallas. He flew in town. I didn't know he was on his own plane at that time. This guy walked into the room and almost sucked the air out of the room. He was good looking like you are. And uh, <laughs> But after that meeting, he told me he would help me because I had just started a nonprofit and I wanted to go buy all the HUD houses that I could find for a dollar and repurpose them. He said, Alvin, that's cute, but I'll help you. So for three weeks, I called him and he gave me assignments and I did them. They were wrong, but I did them. And then he quit answering my call. So I called him every week. I either called, text or emailed him every week for a year. So literally on the 53rd week, he picked up the phone and said, Alvin Johnson, I'm so tired of you calling me. If you really want to know what I do, get a suitcase, come up here for 30 days, and I'll show you. So it took a year of me being tenacious, never going away. And Man. so he knew I wanted it really bad. No kidding. Why do you think he stopped answering your calls? Busy. And like, what is this, you know, how, what was I going to do for him? It'd be like some high school kid saying, Michael, man, I want to help you. Let me shine your shoes, sharpen your pencil. Cause that's what I told him. And it's like, yeah, okay, dude. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I'll help you. And you know, three weeks, three good calls and didn't yield anything. And so, I probably would have stopped answering too. Where's that tenacity come from? I needed to eat, Michael. I didn't have a fallback plan. I didn't go to college. I didn't have rich parents. I didn't have a degree. So the same drive that I had when I was knocking on doors to get that next house to paint is the same drive we have today in putting these deals together. I love it. And we got to eat. And now we have an opportunity to be responsible for our associates and the people that have come alongside of us and their families. So now it's beyond my hand to mouth. It's what we get to do out in the community and help other people. So, I mean, you were pretty motivated at the time. I mean, I mean, you were obviously, if it took you a year to get this guy to respond to you, you must've done something to eat during this time. And I, I hear what you're saying, but the, I think the trouble a lot of times is, you know, sometimes our life ain't so bad, right? We have, you know, pretty good jobs that we probably hate. You know, we're pretty good health, pretty good family, pretty nice house. And yeah. so if someone is not in, in that situation, how do they develop that tenacity? Because, I mean, my observation is that it's key in almost anything you do in life. Right. You need persistence, you know, and tenacity. But, you know, you were really driven because you had no other choice, really. But Correct. some people do have other choices, but that doesn't mean they can actually really change anything in their lives if they're not tenacious enough. So how can how can people develop that that hunger? I think, in my opinion, Michael, I think when we figure out what our why is, when that why becomes big enough, 
it doesn't matter. My why was I did not have a choice. I had to eat. I had to, you know, and I've been in the mortgage business since 1996. So I went through the mortgage. Well, I went through it as a contractor in 89, 90 when I couldn't buy any work. And in the late 90s, I was in I was a mortgage lender. So you know what happened then? 2007, 2008, another mortgage situation. And I got tired of that. And I knew that this guy had something for me. So my why was, man, I need to do something big. I really believe God put something big on the inside of me, which is why I wanted to do those HUD houses and do them all across the country. And so what Steve did, he opened my eyes to a greater opportunity to be able to fill a bigger need for more people by doing the same amount of work. Which and was what? What was that bigger opportunity that impacted more more people? Well, that's going from one single family home to a multifamily development that has 100 units, 200 units. And that's, he said, Alvin, it's just more zeros and more keys. That's all. <laughs> Same amount of work. Why were you focused on HUD and specifically? I know he, he, he added a zero or two at the end of it, but what, what attracted you to that specific strategy? Well, great question. Being in the mortgage business, one of the things that made me really successful, Michael, was I love to educate my clients. So I didn't have clients taking out two-year arms that were going to adjust when they weren't escrowing their property taxes and all that stuff, waiting on the implosion to happen. So I took that same education piece and wanted to do something really good. I was making a lot of money, and I was literally looking for a way that I could do this and only pay my fair share of taxes. So one way of accomplishing three things was to have a nonprofit that did all of that, acquired the homes, that did the renovations of the homes, that sold the homes, that made the money. And I would just get a salary from that. And I got to accomplish everything that I wanted through the nonprofit and eat. And so what Steve showed me was that, Alvin, we do the exact same thing. Our nonprofit owns 16,000 units of apartments. You can do it with one house that you're going to go get for a dollar from HUD, and then you're going to have to do this and blah, 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 and all this work for a $50,000 house when you can go buy a two or 300 unit apartment complex, provide affordable housing to people that really need it, and you can do good while doing good. And so that's what we've been able to do, put together win-win situations with our investors, our partners, with city governments, with HUD. We've turned some around some really, really bad neighborhoods in Dallas and over in Louisiana. And now we've transitioned from having housing where people had to live, Michael, because the only reason they lived there was that was all they had to a place where people get to live now, because now it's a place where they have to apply to live here and more people want to live here. And we don't allow that type of living there. So we're doing that on the affordable side and really making a big impact. And then with the new developments, we're looking at the sustainability. So I looked at, you know, owning these older apartments, the things that we had to replace every five, eight, 10 years. And why do we have to replace it? Why is the plumbing bad? Why is there mold in the walls? Why is this happening? And how can we build these bigger, faster, and stronger? And I started doing some homework about three or four years ago and found a process called structurally insulated panels. It's been around 30 or 40 years. HUD has approved it for agency financing about two years ago. And so our journey now will be 20,000 units in five years of these high-performance buildings made out of structurally insulated panels. And we've got our first 600 units 
started right now in Princeton, Texas, and then Green, uh, Kakana, Wisconsin. So two polar different sides of the spectrum, but that's what we're doing. And the sustainability, we think that, well, we look, we're in a massive heat wave right now. Imagine living in an apartment or a home where you knew that your light bill would not change. It doesn't, a refrigerator, this is a cool part. A refrigerator will keep your water at 33 degrees. It doesn't matter if it's in the Sahara Desert or if it's in Alaska, right? That's the same process that our apartments made out of the structurally insulated panels have. Doesn't care where it is, Sahara Desert or Alaska, it will keep your units the same temperature. And so that way we get to do them economically friendly. We could put solar panels on a roof and make them zero energy. So it's really a great benefit for everybody involved. If you want to work with a full-time syndicator to help you get up to speed faster, get your first deal done this year, and scale your portfolio so you can quit your job, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. It's the only program out there that actually guarantees results. That's right. We actually guarantee that you do your first deal in the first year. Otherwise, we'll keep working with you. And set up a, a strategy session call and explore whether it's right for you. It's themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. I've actually seen this before, by the way. So I know what you're talking about and it's really cool. You step inside and it keeps things pretty cool. I wanted to back up a second. So, you know, you're one of the unique people out there that has discovered how to build something from the dirt. So actually developing something new. And I'm just curious, how did you get educated enough on that particular topic and, and part in multifamily real estate? To, to get to the point where you are now, because it seems like there's less potential resources out there to get, get up to speed on that kind of stuff. That's a good question, Garrett. Well, you know, I've had what, a lot of years in, in real estate. My first 10 years were in construction around painting. So when you know how to paint really well, that means you know how to finish. So you know how I'm not a framer, but I know what, what it's supposed to look like. So as I got in more into real estate, I started having to hire more contractors. So I became a contractor. I'm a licensed GC now in nine states, and I had to do that to run the construction business. So having the lending experience from the mortgage company, having the construction experience from 30 plus years in real estate and a lot of it in construction, I don't know. I just woke up and said, man, I can't, I can't compete with Michael and all these guys that are going out here buying up all the developments, I have to be different. And so this, the biggest thing, Garrett, is how are we different in a crowded room of people doing the same thing? What makes you stand out? So I, I knew I wanted to develop that, put it on my heart. I don't know. I just woke up and said, let's go do it. And then I said, how can we do it differently? And how can we differentiate ourselves from anybody else just building? We want to do the best, be the best provide the best product. And man, I think, and I know that we found it. So it's, it's, it's exciting to be, to get to be a part of a deal like this. I get to be a part of this. One of the main problems we have in this country, well, we have many main problems, but one of the problems <laughs> is affordable housing, right? right. It's, you know, they, they, you can't build any more of it. Now you might say, well, shoot, we are actually building more affordable housing. So can you just talk about if Alvin were president, right? and could have a magic wand to solve affordable housing, how could we begin to do it? What are you seeing like, specifically that you see working? 
Boy, I'll tell you what, Michael, this is going to ruffle some feathers. Let's Boy, I'm going to tell you, we haven't had a president that, that, that has the huevos enough to do this. But what we see is I see 18-year-old parents, mothers, that get a Section 8 voucher and they throw a party. Because guess what? You don't have to do nothing else for life. Cut it off after five years. You had a baby. Sorry, that's how it was intended to get you on your feet. Cut that junk off. Cut the Medicare off unless it's absolutely necessary. But when you have 18, 19-year-old able-bodied people getting free housing, free Medicare, free all of that, it takes away resources from everybody else. So that's the first thing I would do as president. I thought that's what Ben Carson was going to do because Donald Trump put a black dude in office. I thought he was going to make the black dude the, the bad guy, and he should have. But I guess he was too freaking smart for that, so he he punted. And then, Michael, I don't know, man. You know, we've got these tax credit programs that are good for developers, but I don't know that they're so good for the communities because what the tax credit programs do, they require us to put a different mix of income into a community, which is good. So therefore, you've got people that make $80,000 a year being seen by people that make $30,000 a year going to work. That helps. But I don't know. Maybe I would, I don't know. Today as president, other than stop the stuff I've already said, I don't know how you can incentivize developers enough to do this anymore. I don't know if there's an incentive big enough to say, hey, let's go do a whole lot more affordable housing because I just, I don't know. It's 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 a big problem. It really I, is. Uh, Maybe we I ought really, to take the wages up and then we don't have to worry about affordable housing. Just let more people make more money. How about that part? Alvin, I actually resonate a ton with what you said about the vouchers. I, so I, a lot of people know this by now about me and maybe some don't, but I started buying D-class. I had like 300 D-class apartments mm-hmm. and it was all the Section 8 vouchers. Mm-hmm. And people are basically incentivized to have more kids right. so that they get more money in general. And, and it's just a crazy problem. So you got all these kids living in a, in a, a small apartment and they're, they're able to, or, or even a little bit bigger, whatever it is. And then they get the food stamps and they get everything. And then it's just an unfortunate situation. So that, that is an interesting take on cutting off the vouchers. At a it certain is. Point. I'll tell you, man, we see residents that, have three kids, no furniture. So, oh yeah. And I'll, so, I'll t- so of course we're trying to fill those gaps for the kids and beds and schools. So our nonprofit five hundred one c three, we do school supplies, backpacks for kids to go to school because many of them don't have school supplies. So we we fill those needs within the communities every year. That's great. One of the things we want to get to a summer feeding program because a lot of the kids don't have food to eat during the summer and the property that we did at here in Dallas is going through a major renovation. So we were not able to provide that service this summer. When did you realize you wanted to have a mission driven business? Like when, when did that kind of start and what made you arrive at that? I don't know. Again, I just wanted to eat. I put my head down and just went to work. And then I met a guy that had everything I thought I wanted and he was doing it this way. It appeared to work. And then It's just really ironic that I surrendered myself a long time ago to a higher power, whatever you believe. And when that surrendering happened, I believe that my passion 
was turned into my purpose. Real estate is my passion. And so now with this purpose, not only do we get to fulfill my passion by taking old junk and making it new by rehabbing old apartments, now we get to build new apartments. And now by this 20,000 unit mission in five years, that's going to lead us to having our own structurally insulated plant under the flag of our the guys that are delivering the product for us now. And the, and the reason for that, Garrett, is now I can go to the Texas penal system and get some nonviolent offenders and set up some training curriculums and train a lot of individuals to be plumbers, AC guys, plumbers, HVAC, and mechanical contractors, not employees. Uh, so everybody that's come alongside us to build these apartments has that same kind of mission. So these guys have curriculum to do that training. So in about a year, we should have our own plant up and running where we're providing our own trusses and our own panels. And we will have students from the penal system doing this, training them. And that's how we're going to start. We're starting to train now with this thousand units. We're going to get started this year. And next year, we'll have our own plant going and it'll help us get to that 20,000 unit target. I love what you're doing because you're doing good, but you're also making money at the same time, right? Absolutely. Some, you got to, you, you, money's going to come from someplace. So what is the business model with these, with these structurally insulated panels? What, 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 how does it, and the whole HUD thing, like how does it all fit together? Great question, Mike. So take HUD out of the picture. Yep. This is, this is a traditionally built apartment complex, 200 units, 50 million bucks is my total capital stack. We raise 25% in equity. We've got debt, decent debt now, seven and a half, eight percent. We we pay a nine pref from day one on this deal, up through stabilization, and then we, when we refinance this thing, we'll hit a fifteen percent hurdle, and do that on distribution. We expect about a twenty six percent return, and let me tell you what makes these work with those kind of numbers. You got a traditional apartment complex where you. The light bills belong to the tenant, correct? In these situations, the only thing our resident pays is one bill. That is the apartments. In that includes your rent, your lights, your water, your cable, I'm sorry, your internet, and, and washer and dryer. Because they're so efficient, our utility bill from our engineer guaranteed not to exceed $540 per year per unit. Utilities, that's lights and water. So in our rent, we're charging 120 bucks for that electric. So think about the money going to the bottom line on the NOI just from the delta between our $35 electric and our $120 charge, just that alone. Plus the internet, we're buying it on the curb at 32 bucks a door, we're selling 300 meg fiber internet for 75 bucks, cheaper than what you can buy for AT&T. So now you've got 35 bucks plus 90 bucks, just in those two categories, utilities and cable going straight to the bottom line. Now, is there an affordable component? In other words, what, is, what rent are, the, are these people paying? Is this, now, they, is now, these apartments in Princeton, Texas, the rents are $1.95 a foot. So Average between the complex is about 1600 1700 Not bad. Now, if this were a truly affordable community where we needed to lower the rents, we could make it a 
Noah, so this term Noah, naturally occurring affordable housing, means that we're making this affordable with no restrictions in place, meaning you don't have to make 30%, 50%, or 80% of the AMI to live here. But what we would do is we would take that utility savings and knock that off the board and just charge the rent charge. And that can, so you can literally as a developer play with that to back into rents that are affordable for that market because we've got that delta with the utilities. And there's no other way to capture that than if you're building with something that is so efficient as this. Alvin, that's that's amazing that you've, so it's, it's almost like you've taken kind of, you're, you're finding your niche in different ways in development from HUD over to this eco-friendly stuff, which again, the, the first time I stepped inside of somebody that built, they're building these mini homes with this similar technology and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's hot outside and it's really cool on the inside. There's no air conditioner running, right? I wanted to pivot real quick because this is interesting about you, you created this brand called Multifamily Monopoly, right? And you went from somebody that's relatively kind of unknown into the rubbing elbows with Grant Cardone and, and other people. What made you create that? And, and just, just talk about how that's evolved. Man, I met Grant about four years ago now. And he told me, Alvin, man, I love what you're doing. The only reason you don't have what you want and you're not where you want to be is nobody knows who you are or what you do. So we started the, the spending all this money on social media. The multifamily monopoly thing came about because I love the game Monopoly and we do multifamily. So we put those together. But the education, Garrett, came, the education platform is what we use multifamily monopoly for. A couple of reasons. I wanted to bring awareness to the community. Yeah, and and I'm please hear me. I'm not a black guy, I'm not a white guy, I'm a guy that just happens to be brown. But some people love the fact that because I am this brown color, that I get to open doors for other people. And if I get to be that guy, then, hey, I'm glad to be that guy. So I wanted to expose people and really older people, because most guys 55 years old, they're looking for a couch to go sit on and go fishing or drink beer or something. And now is really when life can really start. So I wanted to be an inspiration to that crowd. I wanted to be an inspiration to the black community that anybody could do this. I didn't go to college. So throw all that junk your mom and daddy told you out the window and do you and and dream on dreamer. And then I needed to raise money because these deals take 15, 12 or 15 million dollars for every development. And there's no other way to do it than to let people know who you are and the benefits of what we're doing. It's not just, hey, man, come help me make a bunch of money. Yeah, we can make a bunch of money together, but look how we can do it and we can do good while doing good. So there were there were several different reasons why, and it's just kind of taken off. And I, I really want to do something that when I'm not here anymore, that will last beyond me. So these apartments will definitely do that. We've got two generations of several families working in our organization. So that's really, really good for me. I, I love that part. I love to help make other people's dreams come true. So when I see a mother and her daughters working here or a father and his daughter working with us and my kids, I mean, that's, man, that's, that's no better, no better feeling. And Michael has that same experience with his kids working as well. So. Yeah. I love it, man. I, I love how you're innovating the space. That's cool. I love how you're doing good with us. I think that's cool as well. So how, how can people connect with you and find out more about what you're doing? Thank you, Michael. 
Alvin Hope Johnson on all my social platforms and multifamilymonopoly.com will take you to our nonprofit, which is Hope Housing Foundation, take you to all my personal pages. So alvinhopejohnson.com, either one of those, or alvinhopejohnson.com, Alvin Hope Johnson on all the socials. Real simple. That's a real pleasure to have you here, Alvin. Thanks so much Michael, for being Thank you so much, man. I appreciate your platform. Garrett, thank you for hooking this up. Good seeing you. Yes, sir. Talk to you soon. Yeah, so I love I love Alvin's story, and you know when you peel back, you know when when someone is as successful as Alvin is, you know you really want to go back. Okay, that's cool that he's so successful, but but how did he get started? How did he break through? Right, and in his particular in, instances, it, it was a it was a mentor, and it's a common theme, guys. You're watching, listening to this. If you if you study the successful people in this podcast and probably any other podcast, it always comes down to mentoring, right? Finding someone that is experienced, that has done what you want to do, that takes you under the wing. And, and it doesn't matter if you have to pay for this mentor or you have to find someone for free. You know, I'm, I'm sure if if Alvin had had paid a mentor, he could have had a mentor like that versus chasing him for, for a year. He got it done anyway. And it's just so valuable. So, you know, if if you value mentorship like Garrett and I do and, and many successful podcast guests and you want to break into syndication industry, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor and fill out a, a quick application and schedule a call and see if that's right for you because this is your chance to break into the syndication industry and do a bigger deal faster while someone's watching over you and, and avoid some of the big mistakes and you know and get into it a little bit faster maybe than Al, Alvin did. But it's so key to have that, that advisor. So that's one thing that stuck out for me I love what he said about affordable housing. It's a tough nut to crack, Garrett. I think, you know, he kind of took his skills and strengths and leveraged those to get into this specific niche of multifamily. And so I, I would encourage you to think about what that is for you. So while you're getting into it, you're looking, you know, you're you're signing up the mentor program or you're getting into whatever area of real estate hopefully it's multifamily that you're, that you're getting into. What is your, your niche, your niche inside of that, that makes you different than everyone else? Is there some kind of mission behind it? So you can, you can very clearly see with our, our last, our guest, Alvin, he has that kind of laid out and he has the differentiators. He's, he's somebody in the community that's looked up to. He's somebody that, you know, they do affordable housing development. So whatever that version is, it just sets you apart from the rest of the pack. So when you're going out there trying to raise equity, when you're trying to sell debt, or sell yourself to the to a debt company or to a bank, whatever it is, that's always helpful. And they say the riches are in the niches. Yeah. So really, that's that's a really cool feature and a cool part of Alvin's story that really differentiates himself. And then you add the platform on top of that, it's even it's even cooler. So I, re- I really resonated with that. Well, I think our industry is ripe for innovation. And, and the way we do it, and maybe you can talk about it a little bit, is how do we look for differentiators and how we get into a deal? For example, any kind of profit center that the next buyer does not see or in, take advantage of is an advantage to us because now we can pay more. What are some of the things that we do to sharpen our pencil to allow us to increase the NOI and maybe become more competitive in our offering prices. What what are some of the things that we've done? That maybe yeah. So so things things that like we've done. I think that one strategic advantage that we've developed, although it hasn't been perfect, is we decided to become to invest money into our construction abilities. So 
we have the ability to go in and do large volumes of renovations on exteriors and interiors fairly fairly quickly. And it's separate from our property management company, right? So we can underwrite in a deal a little bit differently, you know, and ha- we have the advantage to be able to go and execute on that to a degree. Now, again, it's, it's had rockiness. It's been tough to get to that point, but it's something that would differentiate us from somebody that doesn't have that ability or they're just relying on their property management company to go in and do those types of things. So it's, it's something, a skill that we required. And then we have kind of our own flavor and our own brand that's kind of edgy and modern. So we're taking these older properties that are, you know, beat up and they look, you know, really, really a lot older than what they even, well, they, they match their age. Let's put it that way, but they're in a great area of town. We take it, we, we give it a new feel, a new name, a new vibe, all of it. And then it's a, an attractive place to live. And it's because we have, we've developed that skill of construction and relationships to be able to go and do that. So that's kind of our, one of our specific differentiators that maybe not every group out there has the ability to. And then on the capital side, one differentiator that we have is we're able to do 1031 exchanges. So that's a big skill that not every syndicator out there does. We sell a deal, we give you the option to continue to play the game. You want to, you just made a good profit early. Let's do it again. Yeah, I love that. I mean, as entrepreneurs, we have to be resourceful. We can't just use a cookie cutter approach that everybody else is doing. So you mentioned some of the things that make us competitive, such as construction, we can do it better, cheaper. Okay, great. If we had a property management company, which we don't, we can probably do the property management cheaper. 10th exchange reduces, uh, first of all, we, we reduces the need for additional capital and reduces our overall cost of capital. So if you can reduce your cost of capital, that's cool. If you can get better terms on debt, that's cool. Right. If you can drive the comps and see that the comps are getting higher rents and figure out why they're getting higher rents than what the the, the rent comp from your broker is saying, that's a competitive advantage. We got we picked up those two COVID deals because of because of that. Very, very exact thing. So the more you can do to have a competitive advantage, the better you are and the more competitive you can become. So so definitely I think the theme for for today is just sharpen your pencil. I, I think it's a mistake to sit on the sideline. There's opportunity. And the question is, how do you get into a deal? Figure that out and you're going to be very successful. So get out there and get some deals done and we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com slash vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.